Welcome to DYK, sharing reputable ataxia information in short, simple, digestible surveys. Helping the world become acquainted with ataxia. With your host, Dana Laura. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Did You Know podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Corey Hannon. Corey is going to tell us a little bit about his story and what he's working towards in Mexico for ataxia. Hi, Corey. Hello, Ding. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you and with my fellow brothers and sisters with ataxia. Many of you may know me from my days with NAF as the Northeast Florida Support Group Leader. Yeah, but I want to stop you right before you get into that. I would like to hear the story about how it is that you came to have ataxia, because I think that's a very important piece of the story that people should know. Very good. I haven't acquired ataxia. So you haven't my, acquired ataxia. My diagnosis is Lance Adams syndrome. In May of 2011, I contracted Legionnaire's pneumonia from a contaminated jacuzzi. I was within three days of contact of the bacteria. I was induced into a coma for 12 days. When I woke up from the coma, I had severe brain damage that caused symptoms of ataxia and myoclonus. Okay, so I'm just going to stop you right there because most people that are familiar with ataxia know that there are hereditary forms of ataxia. What's not so common is the kinds that come from, you know, the acquired types from a concussion or from another disease or illness, right? And also the types that are just... um, brought about as a secondary condition from another disease. Like if I have MS, I might be ataxic. And so I think it's really important to note that there are three different types of ataxia, and you have the acquired type. Yeah, that's correct. And unfortunately, um, most organizations dealing with ataxia focus on the hereditary type of ataxia and refer people such as myself back to the underlying condition. Unfortunately, that creates an absence of collaboration. Um, The ataxia symptoms that I deal with daily are very similar to that of a person with hereditary ataxia, my balance my coordination of hands, obviously my dysarthria. A few of the symptoms that I deal with daily and every day, I bite my tongue two to three times a day while I'm eating. I have very hard, it's very difficult to speak and articulate. Um, When I speak, it feels like an elephant it's on top of my chest. Okay, so you get really winded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But what I think is so wonderful about your story and what I really want to share with people listening today is that you decided to make a difference. So you were able-bodied. You went into a jacuzzi. You came out with an illness that left you with ataxia. 
And instead of just feeling sorry for yourself, you took action. And so talk about the action that you took. That is great. First of all, I had no idea what a taxi was or at that time. Um, I didn't receive a diagnostic that was correct. And my family practitioner, he only knew of hereditary taxi. Yep. So in a nutshell, he advised me to go home and live out the rest of my days in peace because there's no cure or no medication. At that point, myself and my family began to investigate what does a taxi and found the National Taxi Foundation. Okay. At that point, I got involved with the Northeast Florida Support Group. So much that within six months, they asked me to be the leader of the Support Group. Fortunately, a year later, I was diagnosed properly at the University of Florida. And I remember that day coming out of my first medical appointment with Dr. Subramani. I turned to my wife at the time, my ex-wife, I said, what am I going to do now? I don't have to be involved with the taxi because I'm not progressive. And she advised me, she said, you're going to do exactly what you're doing now because you have an opportunity you have a voice that cannot be quieted while the hundreds of people that you have met over the last year, they do not have the same opportunity that you have. And that's like the foundation for what I'm doing now. That's really incredible that she had that vision and that foresight to, you know, she saw that in you. She said, you're a fighter. You have a voice to give to this please do something with that gift. And that's really awesome. I'm very thankful for her. Uh, So then you, you know, say, all right, I'm a support group leader and I want more. Like, this is not good. This is not enough. So I need to have a bigger challenge. And what was that? uh, Actually, very interesting. Unfortunately, I got a divorce. Mm -hmm. So... When I got divorced, I said, I'm going to take a sabbatical. And I contacted ATAR, the taxi association in Argentina. And I decided to go to Argentina to participate with the association in Argentina, but more than anything else, to find myself. Okay. I had not quite accepted what had happened to me. I spent three years in the support group, focused only on everyone else, and not on myself. And not on yourself. In Argentina, I formulated a two-year plan for my life. This two-year plan involved one of my childhood dreams, which was to travel throughout Latin America, to get to know every country. But the plan was to find, to search and find patients living in Latin America, conduct an interview with them and share their story. 
I had gone as far as buying the domain name for the website, establishing the radio internet, and starting the Facebook page called the Taxi Traveler, which is still active to this day. Okay. Unfortunately, my first stop on this journey was to be Mexico, as I was in a travel throughout all of Latin America. When I asked in Argentina for the contact information for the foundation in Mexico, surprisingly, they informed me and none existed there. So you're in Mexico and you find out there are no, there's no foundation for no. ataxia. So what did that prompt you to do? It prompted me not to continue on my other journey. <laughs> and it prompted me to actually, I called my dad and I said, Dad, I'm not going to travel two years. Instead, I'm going to go to Mexico and see if I can, as a foreigner, do it my due diligence to start the first national taxi association in Mexico. My dad said, no. He said, no, you are not. No, 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 no. He said, you will fall. Who is going to take care of you? You fall. You don't know anybody in Mexico. I said, fear is not part of what I live with. I don't look at why I can't do something. I only look at how I'm going to do something. And it may not be the same way that somebody else does it, right? I'm sure you've learned to think outside the box, get creative about how to do what you want to do. You know, that is a very good point that we don't talk about so often. As persons with a taxi, we need to constantly think outside of the box. Be creative. One of the aspects of having an affected motor system is learning how to manage your taxi. Um, Many people do not visualize or think prior to acting, making a movement or controlling. I have learned personally that if I'm struggling to brush my teeth or to shave. Shaving was, for the first year, shaving and brushing my teeth was very hard. I would end up with toothpaste on my forehead, trying to brush my teeth and be on my forehead. So I learned tricks and I began to observe and evaluate. How am I going to open my key in the door lock. That was also extremely difficult. So we have to learn how to do things in a non-traditional manner. Yes. And it played a role for me in my decision to start a taxi in Mexico. Um, When you are facing death, you are on death's door in a coma and you wake up from that, you have a completely different perspective on life. It's like a second chance. And you, and you think, well, so I woke up from this, and so there's a reason why I'm here. Yes, yes, there is an energy, there is a meaning of life. That is very interesting. 
my life 39 years prior to the coma is a movie, it's a story in itself. At 14 years old, I was removed from my home with my parents. I was homeless on the street for close to two years before being placed in protection services. It, six months of those two years, I was homeless, homeless on the street in Hollywood, California. Hollywood, Santa Monica, and Hermosa Beach, going in and out of youth homeless shelters. There was times when panhandling on the corner was not an option because it was raining or conditions were not available. A few times, many few times, I had to resort to going behind a Chinese restaurant and digging food out of the trash can to eat. These are some stories of many in my 39 years prior to taxi. And I look at life now like this. For 39 years, I took from what life had to offer. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That's okay. Um, wherever I could benefit personally, I benefited mm -hmm. in every aspect of life. A taxi has taught me something fundamental in the human experience of living. It's not what we take, it is what we give. That's right. And now in this stage of my life, it is 100% about making life better for the next generation and this district. That's very um, insightful and that's very admirable. And I'd like to spend a couple minutes talking with you about conditions in Mexico and other Latin American countries and how that impacts someone with ataxia. Could you say a little bit about that? Yes, it's a very interesting topic because there are over 400 million Spanish-speaking people on this earth, but yet development of ataxia organizations and information regarding tax is almost non-existent. There are groups throughout Latin America of patients. But one of the things we have experienced in Mexico, so many people don't even know what a tax is that have a tax. In Latin America, the lack of development of information, access to information in Spanish-speaking countries is a big concern of myself and the attacks in Mexico. And it's something we t aim to change. Um, as a global family of attacks, we need to think beyond the borders of our own country and work with organizations like Attacks in Mexico who have the mission to advance awareness and create a better quality of life. Now I will touch the base on what life is like for a patient with ataxia in an industrial and third world country. 
specifically in Mexico because that is where we are at. Correct, yep. Um, first of all, Mexico is a non-socialist country with a lack of programs available for people with whatever disability. This means that an individual with a neurodegenerative condition such as ataxia, Huntington, Parkinson's, do not have access to the basic needs to live a better quality of life. Wheelchairs, walkers, canes, treatment, therapy, it just is non-existent. Then we put on top of that the lack of infrastructure to the streets. Um, uh, the town that we are in, Tadde de Leverkus, there are 12 light posts in the middle of the walkway. The middle of the walkway. This creates a barrier right. for wheelchairs. You cannot use wheelchairs, nor can you operate on the street. Because the street is not white. There's an awareness of people walking or with wheelchairs. So this lack of um, access accessibility creates a barrier that more often than not isolates the patient with a taxi to their bedroom, to their house. So that is something that is a human rights issue. And it's not just in Tadadilla where we are at. I use Tadadilla because it is where I live and it is where our clinic is. But everywhere in Mexico, there is lack of access, lack of information, lack of rights for people with a taxi and other disabilities. Yeah, and it's amazing because if you live in the United States, you're just unfamiliar with those conditions because it's so different in the United States. And so, But it's a very real factor for people who live in Latin America and have a taxi or any other kind of neurodegenerative disease or disability. Um, I, I would like to add to that. Okay, please. Sorry. One no, of the please. programs that we initiated is called Operation Independence. In Mexico... Outside bathrooms, where we live in the farmland, are very common, more common than indoor bathrooms. When an individual manifests a taxi, that bathroom was not considered. So they generally have to walk, we'll say 20 feet to 30 feet, sometimes down a slope to go to the bathroom. We initiated this program with one intention, to offer independence in the home. What we do is we construct handrails, ramps, and we build bathrooms, internal, inter, internal bathrooms. We have done 15 houses since we started the program three years ago. 
in Mexico, in society in general, we hear a lot about inclusion. I have the philosophy that inclusion in third world countries or developed industrial countries starts in the home. I am not an activist in fighting in public for inclusion right at this point. First, we need to teach the individual that their life has value and they are included in their own home. Once they feel independent in their home, they will journey outside. And once they journey outside is when we will start the fight with stores to have stores more accessible. But first we have to instill in them their life matters and that they are, they have a human right to participate in society. Yep, that's really wonderful. So talk to me about what brought you here to the National Ataxia Foundation Convention. Fantastic. As a previous support group leader, I participated in this event previously in 2011 in Las Vegas. This year, what has brought me here is to begin collaborations between the two organizations, National Taxi Foundation and Taxi Mexico. That is the dream, that is the hope. But I was invited here by Dr. Albert Spalda and Suhagen to begin a process of creating a coalition of specialists for a taxi SES 7 to help with the intervention of the humanitarian crisis we have in Veracruz. In Veracruz, we have the largest SEA7 population known to the worldwide. Yeah, tell us about that, because when you and I were talking about this yesterday, I was amazed at the, at the numbers that you were throwing out. So talk about that. A Excellent. In basically the state of Veracruz, there is 106 molecular diagnosed cases of SEA7. We also are in contact between 30 and 50 other non-diagnosed patients, the majority within a 20-mile radius. This is a founder's effect phenomenon going back eight generations or 165 years. The founder's effect population was originally in one town that in 1920 suffered an earthquake, a devastating, destroying earthquake. In after the earthquake, the population migrated, dispersed. Some individuals went to Jalapa, the state capital, where they found a natural selection. Others, very few, we're in the Grand Canyon, Veracruz. Others crossed the canyon and didn't up in the Veracruz, which was an isolated 
community until 1971. Twelve families in this area in this formed this community. Five of the twelve were seen in the taxi. So due to the fact that it was isolated, the relationships and numbers were within the five families. And now we have an evolution uh, dilemma. This new species of DNA is in the cycle of evolution. And we're at the bubble of this evolution process. And so yesterday when we spoke about this, you told me the population of that town and then how many of those people have this SCA-7. Actually, in the small town of Tadudila, we have a population of the county of 14,500 people, but in the head, in the center, 4,500 people. We are in contact with 50 to 52 individuals affected with SCA-7 in this 4,500 population. And then an additional 300 to 350 in waiting. That is the big concern, Dana. In the next generation, the next 25 years, if we use mathematics, 50% of this 350 people will develop a taxi, creating a population of close to 220 people in the next 25 years in one town. In one town, yeah. So there's a need. There's a need for information, education, infrastructure, adaptability, equipment. Correct. There's a, there's Correct. a need. So, And you're championing this right now, which is really terrific. And in Mexico, you have a facility that is, um, has doctors... Great. and um, a hospice aspect to it. So why don't you talk a little bit about sure. that? Uh, we operate two basic programs. The medical clinic and rehabilitation clinic, we opened on February 10th of this year. We tend to patients with physical therapy. We have therapists. We have psychologists with psychological services, medical attention, and social workers. In the first 30 days, we attended 133 persons, all at no charge, all free of service. There is an existing clinic there that only offers group therapy to, when I got there, they offered it to four to five people of the 35 people. That was not adequate. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that is proper attention to offer a, thera- a therapeutic treatment. So now we not only offer in the clinic, we also attend 20 individuals in their home through a program called Angels That Care that we created. Angels That Care, every Saturday, 
we use students from the university studying therapy and they offer physical therapy in the homes of these 20 individuals That's on wonderful. top of the That's The wonderful. other program that we I started in January of 2015, one month after arriving, is the food bank. Access to food is a big concern in this third world poverty situation. I started the program with 10 individuals using my pension from Social Security to give them monthly food security. In three months, 10 people went to 20. In six months, 20 to 35. Today, we are 150 monthly dispenses. Over 12 tons of food have been delivered through our grassroots operation. And it is monthly. It is a program that the government does not offer. Our food bank is the only food security support program in seven towns that we deliver wow. to the Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's really awesome. Um, what would you like to say to the people that are watching or that are listening? What would be your message to them about your vision for growing this? We, we have, I have created an intervention in this crisis so that is my first obligation, is tending to this humanitarian crisis. Okay. However, I have a vision of creating a Latin American Federation for Ataxia. And this is my idea of the Federation. All of the Latin America is in the same situation as Mexico without access. I would like in the future to locate groups of patients in whatever country, Bolivia, Ecuador, Argentina, Chile, bring this group to Mexico for orientation that we will instruct them on how to create an association, how to create the business model, strategies, projections, and how to create a network of academic institutions in your country so that we can advance investigation and we can advance quality of life for all human beings suffering with a toxic. That's great. Well, you know, I really wish you luck with that. I think you're going to be successful in that, mm -hmm. just knowing that you have this drive and this passion behind you. And I hope that you find continued partnership with the National Ataxia Foundation to also help with some of this. I want to thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think that many people will enjoy hearing what it is you have to say and what you've been working on. So thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm thank very you. grateful. Thank you, Carrie. So I just want to, in closing, say thank you again for supporting the Did You Know podcast and for tuning in and listening to us. And as always, enjoy the rest of your day. Imagine that. Dana Morrow, the Did You Know woman. For more great topics, go to iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, or join us on Facebook or at rideforjohn.org.
Till next time, DYK.